0: Today's guest on the Horny Deer Sense Podcast is traditional archer and trick shot artist James Jean. James was recently a contestant on TBS's talent show, uh, The Go Big Show. Uh, James, uh, just a pleasure to connect with him. He's just a good old southern Georgia boy, but his talent has taken him you know, all over the country. Um, I think even down to Mexico for another talent show. But before we get into the conversation with James, I want to play uh, a clip from a conversation that I recorded with a a gentleman that had a particularly uh, memorable experience with our product last year. His name's Colton Bennett. We met him up at the Iowa Deer Classic a couple of years ago. He sent us a message this past year about his experience and uh, I wanted to connect and get it from his mouth. And I think that's something that we're going to start doing. So if you'd like to have your story featured on the Horny Deer Sense podcast, shoot us a note, info at HornedDeerSense.com, and we'll get connected and uh, record your story and play it like Colton's. So here's Colton's. I hope you enjoy it.
1: All right. Well, my name's Colton Bennett. I'm from Boone, Iowa, connected with uh, the Horny Deer Sense guys down at the Iowa Deer Classic. And uh, just kind of kind of really got a connection going with them and so decided to try their product out and this, my uh, kind of my story with it is this past deer season been hunting this piece of public um, just it's a river bottom piece just a big open bottom with some willows and uh, like a creek bottom kind of set up with big timber on on the sides of it and uh, not a very big piece of public not very wide so I kind of don't have much room to work with, but I know there's some big deer down there. I've got cameras set, got them kind of pattern going through there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I got in there early morning. I think it was the November 9th or 10th crappy morning. It was uh cold raining pretty good. Had my old rain suit on. And, uh, I had a harmony wick set about 20 yards from my stand. Uh, kind of where I thought the wind would blow up into this finger. Uh, it goes into a willow bar and uh more Creek bottom. And, uh, I wasn't seeing much that morning. It was, it hit about eight 30 and I'm, I'm freezing soaking wet. And, uh, I'm actually sitting there playing on my phone. Next thing I know, I look up and I, I see this buck coming and I, it looked like one of the bucks had been watching a nice eight pointer. And he, uh, he was coming, coming to me along the, along the willows. And and then he started acting kind of funny and something I'd never really seen. He stuck his nose up in the air once he caught that scent and he came on a beeline right towards that wick. Um, And I, and I think, you know, with that rain coming down, he had been running onto the ground, saturating the dirt with, with that scent. And he hit that and he started stuck his nose real up in the air and he started shaking this, his neck burling up. And then I, I I told, told Scott this and I still don't know if he believes me and I'm still not sure if I believe what I seen, but he, he stuck his head down into the dirt, started like, I thought he was going to make a scrape rubbing his, rubbing his antlers in the dirt. And then he rolled kind of onto his neck, like, like you see like a a dog do in a mud puddle or something. And he just started kind of rolling his side and neck around in that, like he just wanted it on him for whatever reason and he he uh he got up and and I, I this whole time i'm sitting there i'm shaking like a leaf this is happening you know 25 yards from me and I, I didn't i wasn't really sure if i wanted to shoot this deer i'd seen him around but i had some bigger bucks on camera but i was just sitting there thinking I'm like man you're never gonna see anything like this again how how do you pass that up he came he came in like he was circling around trying to find whatever deer made that mess over there. And, uh, he, he stopped 20 yards with his head behind a bush and I just had to let him have it. I smoked him, but that yeah, was a, it was quite a deal. Stuff works, man. It, it's crazy.
0: Welcome to the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, founder of Horny Deer Sense, Scott Pratt. In this podcast, we connect with personalities across the outdoors, sharing hunting tips, reliving old hunting memories, and discussing life in general. Our goal as a podcast and as a company is to bring new hunters into this great lifestyle and to help keep the ones that we've got. So settle in, hang out with us for a little while on the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. All right. James Jean, welcome to the Horny Deer Sense Podcast.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here. Appreciate hey. you having me on.
0: Oh, absolutely. How you doing this Thursday afternoon?
2: Doing good. Tucked in in my parents' basement right now. Oh, so
0: <laughs> lovely. I was
2: over here at the farm, so I figured I'd bring my laptop over here and have the conversation over here.
0: Oh, that works. So where, where's the farm? I know when we first connected to schedule this, you mentioned you were in the Eastern time zone, but outside of that, I have no clue for like what area you're from.
2: I got you i'm in west georgia um about 20 minutes from the alabama line just west of atlanta
0: oh so you're i'm up in or just outside of dalton georgia and chatsworth the chatsworth georgia area
2: okay <laughs> yeah Carrollton.
0: yeah okay so yeah no i i knew that just from your accent that it was probably somewhere close but i didn't know that it would be that close i got you
2: yeah that's no, cool dalton
0: yeah it's a it's Especially since we've gotten started, it's amazing how many people that we've connected with, uh, just in the hunting industry in general, that have Georgia roots. So I guess yeah. we can throw uh, Trick Shooter James Jean into the box as well.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Like Columbus is like a little redneck Hollywood down there. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. That that would actually be. Uh, I would visit Columbus if they were to adopt that as their uh, location slogan. <laughs> yeah, it fits.
2: Yeah. They're all and Bone Collector and all them out there.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I kind of stumbled upon you by accident. It was actually, I think it was um, uh, a post that the Outdoor Channel made. And you were doing a trick, sh- a trick shot. And if I'm not mistaken, you had uh, a ring swinging back and forth and uh, did a, a Robin Hood through the ring, you know, as it was swinging. That, that was oh, my yeah. introduction to James James.
2: I got you. It's so a pretty recent now.
0: Huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I saw it really? and I was like, I thought I was the only guy that could do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that so it it does it really does. uh You know, it, and it's gonna be a pretty good, pretty good uh pun. But to pull the strings with me, uh, my granddad he actually got a lot of people in this area into archery. You know, back with recurves and stuff, and a lot of them would go on different hunts and stuff. So uh my dad he still got a lot of his old bows down there in the basement and obviously they haven't been used in years but even as a little kid seeing those stick bows like there was just something mystical about that you know what i mean
2: yeah a little nostalgic
0: i was incredibly nostalgic well and you attach it to the stories too and you know when we started coming up shooting it was really when compound bows were coming out and getting better you know and uh so to experience learning those and then see people do you know not even the trick shots but just accurately shoot a stick bow you, you just know immediately there was a lot of time that went into that yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i definitely put in the hours you got one of them whiskey ball machines or- I,
0: well it's not a machine it's actually a mold uh okay it's uh you just pour water in the mold and put it in the freezer it, it's okay. kind of my tradition it's my I got some Woodford Reserve today. Uh, it, 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 it's my conversation lube.
2: Yeah,
0: good eye, though, my man.
2: Yeah, it's a that's pretty slick. I seen one of the machines before where they put the piece of ice in there and it turns and makes the ball.
0: I think that's pretty slick. I would love to have said yes to that question. And <laughs> have had one. Yeah, they're those. pretty pricey. <laughs> Yeah, I just went with the – it's just a cheap plastic mold, and uh, you just fill it up and put it in the freezer. But they still worked really well. And yeah, to your point, they look really, really cool. Oh, yeah. What was it that got you interested in shooting a recurve bow? Uh,
2: I, I don't know. Like, I always grew up with a bow, and and uh, I, I didn't really shoot much growing up. Like, I shoot from time to time. We always had a bow around us and then I'll mostly compound and then I had like a little youth long bow and stuff and then uh about the time I was 18 my dad got me uh, a compound and you know for bow hunting and all that stuff and I just got really obsessed with it Where I was shooting every day and I was kind of getting into a little bit of everything so I got a recurve and then the recurve kind of you know with the compound I always remember you know all right you know this step here this step here anchor point you know look down the pens and the recurve is more you don't really think about it. You just shoot and then, you know, build that muscle memory up. So it's kind of shooting the recurve kind of makes me kind of free, makes empty, mu- like kind of like a meditation type deal. You know, it's uh, I just get out there and shoot and have fun. And I really seem to enjoy it. And I don't know, that's like, I, I feel more comfortable with uh, a lot of the shots I'm doing now with the recurve compared to a compound.
0: Oh, no, if just watching and I dove after seeing the, the uh, clip that was posted, I dove into your YouTube channel. And I was sitting there, and I'm like, holy crap, you know, uh, not only the tricks that you're pulling off, but the creativity. It reminds me of, of like, watching the slam dunk contest over the years. It's like, how many different dunks can these guys do? How big of a problem is it just coming up with new tricks to tackle?
2: Uh, At one point, it was kind of hard figuring out tricks, but now it's, like, to the point where, like, I just need more time. (laughs) Like, I got – you know, I got uh, one full time job and then two other part time jobs, you know, well, including the doing the archery stuff, you know, uh, filming and editing like outdoor shows, like freelance filming and editing. And and uh, it's just hard to been like I have notebooks of ideas I want to try, but it's just, a, you know, the time to set up and to, uh you know, do the shots and all that stuff. Film it. It takes a lot of time. A lot, most of the time is just trying to build stuff. I need to get take some days out of the the week and just start building things and try to make weird obstacles and all that stuff.
0: Have you gotten better at engineering since you've been experimenting with this?
2: Yeah. It made me, like, experimentally really know my bow and how to adjust it and just playing with arrows and weights and feathers and, like, just, like, opposite what somebody would do to tune their bow. I would try to do something else to make it do something weird and, you know, try (laughs) to work a trick shot around that.
0: When did it hit you, I'm pretty good at this?
2: I, I don't know. I still feel like I ain't good at it. I know. I got oh. that imposter, imposter syndrome. But it's uh maybe 10 years ago, I think. It's like I started – I was shooting – I was real into sporting clays. And I had the bow, and I started shooting clays with it. But it's coming at me. is pretty easy. Well, to me, it thought it was easy. And then my dad came rolling up with a friend, and uh, they seen me shooting clays with my bow. And I didn't think nothing of it, but he went over, he went around and started telling people in town about it and all that stuff. And people started like mentioning it to me. And I was like, Oh, I might have something here.
0: Oh, that's really cool. So you're out there shooting clays and thinking that it's no big deal, like everybody should be doing it. <laughs> I, a, I know I guess that's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you still hunt as well? Do you still get in the woods chasing game? Yeah. Jason came? Yep. What are you carrying as much as I you can.
2: That? Um, I'm pretty uh I'm an opportunist, so where we're at it's like half open field like hay pastures you know we have corn and you know beans and all that and then swamp wood type areas so if i'm out in the field i'll bring out a gun or if i'm on a food plot i'll have my compound but if it's like a some kind of close corner area where it's going to be you know 30 shots and under that's when i bring out the recurve and try to hunt something from there
0: gotcha yeah yeah down in your area of georgia there's about a uh, it seems like there's about an hour, hour and a half radius where it's just some of the best deer hunting in the state.
2: Yeah, I'm not quite in the pocket. um You know, a big deer here, uh like a giant, like I think we've been here for 20 years. I think the biggest one we got is about 144. But if you go, you know, to Atlanta, you got the Seek One guys shooting them giant deers. And then you go down to, uh, you know, just half hour, 45 minutes down to Hogansville where T Bone is. I mean, he shot his. His biggest buck ever with a gun. Oh, I think that it was like an
0: absolute bees, too.
2: Yeah, he shot two good bucks that year. So it's a so, but it's it's getting we're seeing starting to see bigger and bigger deer more common. Um, not not very patternable yet. I mean, towards the early season, they'll be more patternable. Um, but there's starting to be more and more deer coming up.
0: Do you do any turkey and, uh, hunting at all?
2: Yes. Uh, we. I actually seen a few this morning. I had to drop off my son. I didn't get a chance to hunt him but there's uh, two gobblers on the property that I know of right
0: now. Nice. Yeah, that's, so, uh, I, that's been my new obsession. Um, oh, my, I love it. Oh, dude. Hey, I was just talking to my cousin, actually my cousin, uh, he's the one that got me into turkey hunting about four years ago. And uh, all growing up, had opportunities, just didn't, I couldn't understand what it, whatever the hoopla was about i guess i'll say yeah. and uh, we were always you know fishing during spring and uh we were talking after a hunt just a couple of days ago and i told him like you know i love deer hunting I absolutely there's nothing that replace whitetail deer hunting but it's hard not to think of this current season as not one of the best hunting seasons that i've been a part of just you mm-hmm. know everything that's happened to this point uh, the situation not only the situations that I've been in but the people that I've been in them with it's just I, I don't know that I've ever enjoyed a season more and I'm kicking myself for getting into it so late in life
2: <laughs> yeah it's a it's it's pretty much the favorite thing I like to hunt out of everything I've done and you know witness I like I really enjoy turkey hunting especially when it. they're you know gobbling good and you know you you kind of feel like you have more control than just a deer hunt where you're kind of just Waiting to get lucky, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like kind of pinpointing them and then trying to, you know, playing chess with them kinda. Of. It's it's fun. That
0: part but, of it, and you know, I had heard people talk about the chess game and you know, everything when they were basically over the years when I was trying to get recruited into deer or into turkey hunting, people were selling me on the opportunity, but they kept mentioning the chess game. I live at the foot of the Cajoda Wilderness. So back behind the house, it's nineteen thousand acres of protected property, you know. But it's very rigid you know a lot of mountains and stuff like that and being back there this spring and getting to spend a substantial amount of time back there i totally understand what they're talking about when they talk about the chess match you know and i guess differently than deer like i've missed a deer with my bow before and be able to knock another arrow and get another shot off the the margin of error with a turkey wants something isn't exactly right it, yeah. there is no there is no grace period there
2: yeah it's tough you see them put their wings up on their back it's time to shoot or you're not going to get a chance uh, oh
0: yeah and and that's the thing going into it that's top of mind but in the moment there's a million thoughts going through <laughs> yeah. your head you know it's incredible though uh the same cousin that got me into it we're both you know really early in our turkey hunt careers but he has had, and we're actually going to do a podcast about it and talk about his season at this point. If there is a such thing as a turkey hunting curse, he's absolutely <laughs> eat up with it and uh, oh, there, it, now it's gotten to the point, you know, cause we hunt together a lot and I'm tagged out, but I feel like I haven't done anything, you know, cause we're working on him now. Like all that pressure mm-hmm. is still there, but <laughs> at the same time, it's nice to be able to be tagged out and still be able to go hunting.
2: Oh, yeah, that's nice. It's nice so, to be able to enjoy that with somebody.
0: Oh, well, and that that's one of the, the best parts about turkey hunting to me. You know, you can do it. Granted, it is a little harder. You're dealing with two people's movement and everything else that mm-hmm. goes along with it. But, you know, to experience those highs like that with somebody is pretty awesome.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I was going yeah, through but... your YouTube channel, man. Uh, I actually wrote out some of your tricks that I wanted to talk about but gotcha. while we're here mentioning your youtube channel tell tell everybody where they can find you first of all because i know actually we talk about some of these things they're going to want to see it for themselves
2: i got you so basically it's james gene trick shots wherever you go um mostly most of the time it's facebook instagram and youtube and I, i've been slacking on the youtube stuff youtube takes a little more time to produce and make videos so but that's that's on my agenda coming up is uh, making more YouTube videos, but you know most of the videos you can find is either on Facebook or Instagram. And then there's a uh, I do other stuff like TikTok or Twitter and all that stuff. I I don't do it as consistent. I haven't really got quite into them yet.
0: Well, I don't I don't think you're gonna have a problem building an audience. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one uh, I saw you shoot a drop of water. Mm. Okay, and I thought hell that's impressive he, he just <laughs> shot a, a drop of water <laughs> then you you shot the drop of water behind your head and oh like, yeah oh that yeah that, that adds a different rank or you're, you're shooting a <laughs> drop of water behind a head that's that's pretty good then you did the no look where you're not even looking at the drop of water and shoot the drop of water
2: wait that that was a mirror shot i believe i haven't done mirror the no shot. look drop of water yeah. Mirror yeah shot that's my bad mirror yeah. shot. yeah it's a yeah, I, I, I don't know how to do the no look because I can't really time the water quite right <laughs> to figure out where the, where it's going to be in time. And these um, are
0: scribbled notes because I, I was like yeah. going through them mad. Like, you, <laughs> most, it's like you got to be kidding me. Uh, then, you know, bringing working into the no look shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, you shot your own arrow out of the air. Like you shoot an arrow up in the air and then you shoot it out of the air. Uh, that was a no look shot, right? yes or was that mirror
2: no that was uh, i haven't done the mirror yet with that one but that's a no i done that a no look shot with that and then i recently done one i don't know a few weeks ago where i did a no look behind the head arrow break with that
0: so and there's no expectation that you're getting these on the very first shot how much time goes in not only accomplishing the vision of the shot but setup and everything what what kind of project are you looking at per take of this?
2: Mm. So it just depends on what I'm doing, but I shoot in the mornings. Um, I drop off weekday mornings. I'll drop off my my kid at school, then come get to the farm around 740, 745-ish, try to set up uh, however, however much time it took to set up cameras. You know, I'll, Usually I run from anywhere from two to five cameras and then, uh, whatever, whatever I'm trying to do. Um, and then I'll shoot till about eight 8 45 and then go work. Um, depending on what I'm doing, it's, uh, it will, you know, I could either do 20 trick shots or I'll work on one trick shot or two or three. It's, uh, it just, don't really – I mean, there's a lot of trick shots I've done first try. There's a lot of tricks. I, usually I go from – unless I know it's going to be super hard, like the no-look shot, I'll go – I'll try 20 shots, and then I'll give up, you know, try another day because it's just not my day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really – I don't really try to count that much. I just sit there. If I know I'm going to get it, or you know, if I'm really close to it, then I'll keep at it. Um, I have forgot how ever, much.
0: Have you ever surprised yourself, like something really difficult, and it works out immediately? And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's the thing. The hard, usually with the harder shots, I not
2: I expect there. I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take forever for it, and then I usually knock it out really quick. Maybe and that's like, my trick. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the ones I least expect to be hard is usually the ones that always like stump me because uh yeah it's it's crazy it's like it's crazy how that works but i'm trying to figure out just like that robin hood ring shot uh i expected there i was like ah you know i don't know if i could do this or not i never seen anything done like this um i forgot what it is might have been eight tries really yeah
0: it's uh I thought you'd be out there all afternoon because th- there's just so many things that have to go right. Even yeah, it's even really, it, the plane of the arrow for the Robin Hood. Like everything's just got to be. perfect. Yeah, that
2: Ar- archer's paradox and all that stuff. Yeah, I done one. Re- oh, I done one this week of Robin Hood where I had it on a machine that swung it in circles, like spun it around in circles. Um, I haven't posted that one yet. Where I got that one and like is. I forgot what the footage The footage was three minutes, so I got to count. So it took three minutes of footage to get that shot. That's incredible. Like, I don't know. It was really quick. But I expected that one to be hard, too. But it's like sometimes and then sometimes the easy shots. But I try to – the way I've done this, you know, I've been doing the trick shot stuff for 10 years now, so I got limited time. So I just try to – I usually try to work myself up to these shots – And try to figure out a way to do it at the least amount of tries possible so I can get more shots because I'm posting, I know, two to four shots a week on social media. So I just try to time it out where I could knock out a bunch of shots quick and the no look shot like uh, people don't realize this, but I was like practicing the no look shot for since like September. Like, just building muscle memory, like throwing up this and doing that and then just working harder and harder
0: stuff. It looks really, really cool. It, it yeah. reminds me of Steph Curry shooting a three-pointer and then running away before it goes in, knowing <laughs> that it's going in, you know? Yeah. Like, it just it's has a, that, it, that good feel to it.
2: Yeah, you got to build that muscle memory. And uh, it's like, you'd think it'd be like, all right, you're aiming at a target, then you look away, and then you shoot, and then it should hit that target. For some reason, when I do the no-look shots, it's always hitting high and left. So I got to just compensate for that from where I'm like, well, I'm shooting instinctive. So I'm just looking at a spot where I'm aiming. And then usually it's high and left from what I'm usually doing. So I just like imagine that target, I spot it, turn away, all right, down and to the right. And then it usually hits it.
0: I did watch one of your um, instructional videos as far as getting started shooting uh, a longbow. And uh, I, I actually have one I carried it into the woods a couple of years ago and shot a doe, but I couldn't never found her and I haven't taken it back in, not because of any reason I just, I got a new Matthews and it's, it's, it's just hard not to carry <laughs> in I'll just be honest with you. Gotcha. Um, yeah but the the tip and that's what reminded me of it when you were talking about compensating for being off that much like when i was learning to shoot and so much of it is just muscle memory like you said Mm -hmm. but to be able to focus on a spot and then you know find your group and then compensate however much off you are you know and to be able to force yourself to aim at that that one area you know and eventually close that gap that would that was really helpful uh, i wished i had saw that uh, a few years ago <laughs> <Might have saved laughs> yeah it's weird how arrows. that
2: works yeah i, bet you I shoot in so many different ways i have to think like that
0: but i bet you stay crazy. in good shape shooting those arrows in those fields like you do <laughs> yeah like if you don't hit your target you've got to walk ahead of you
2: yeah i just uh i try to time it out where i just try to pick up my arrows i, I try to buy enough arrows where you know 20 30 arrows. so once i'm once I'm done filming, I just go pick them all up, and it'll take you know, three, four minutes to pick them. it up. Yeah, and luckily I shoot at the same spot where it's just like a little group of arrows sticking in the ground.
0: <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, that that would make it a lot easier. These are like the shagging golf balls. Mm. Well, you've been you're ten years into this, and yeah. it it's obviously opened a lot of doors. What's some of the opportunities that has have come your way as a result of just And let's be honest, a lot of it started just by word of mouth. Yeah, it's uh. so since I started, I I haven't
2: really been getting heavy into, well, since I started, I think I made my first trick shot video in like 2011 or something, and then 2012 ish or 13, I started filming with a show called trophy quest and they're based down in Dublin, Georgia. And then it was like half filming and then I get to hunt and do trick shots on the show. So I do trick shots on the show fairly often. And then once I started seeing the hunting, I guess the hunting show industry kind of dying down, I figured I'd start my own stuff. That's why I started doing the online stuff maybe three years ago. And then that's from there, it started blowing up where, you know, now I do the shooting USA, which when people used to watch outdoor channel byron ferguson used to like be on there doing trick shots and i do their segment now well i do a trick shot segment on that i'm actually going to go film that and film some more segments at next month for that and then i'll do talent shows uh i don't the first one i did was a spanish one out in uh (laughs) it was in hollywood but i had a they like i had a repeat after them in spanish and it's all spanish and all that stuff is a kind of that that's a little weird Yeah. I knew a little bit, like I could speak it, but it's just so funny because I'm so I got the southern accent, you know, talking in Spanish and a southern accent it's pretty funny. But luckily I was my mom's Costa Rican, so I understand it quite a bit. I don't mm. speak it enough as I should. Gotcha. So I was yeah, I was born in Costa Rica and then we moved out to uh I mean I was one I was I might have been one years old when I, you know, came over here and, you know, lived in Canada before we moved to Carrollton.
0: So how did that mm-hmm. game show work out? And I, I want to talk about the Go Big show, uh, mainly mm-hmm. because I'm a big fan of the host, Burt Kreischer. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So I lived out in uh, Dallas for a number of years, but when I was out okay. there, I, I lived in uh, uh, one of the little outskirts of Dallas called Addison. And my condo was literally just a couple of blocks away from the Addison Improv, which was great because I love stand-up comedy comedy but I didn't I wasn't familiar with who Burt Kreischer was at the time this was you know probably 2013 probably 2000 somewhere around there and uh I didn't know who he was but it was just something to do and he just happened to be there that night oh man that's awesome hey I'm talking I'm I I really felt like I was on the verge of an aneurysm a couple of times (laughs) Like, and he just wouldn't shut up either like <laughs> he, he gets you laughing to a point and then just will not shut up and keeps piling on and the next thing you know mm-hmm. you've gone 45 seconds without breathing <laughs> uh, but it was one of those and ever since then i've been a fan but when i saw that you were on that show like oh that, that's badass but backing up to the other one how did how did that one end up working out
2: i mean i got uh i think i made it this i done the second round and the way it worked it was uh I forgot how they did it, but the whole show they picked one person to go on from everybody that did an act in that show. And it's an hour long show, so I forgot how many acts was in there is at least ten, I think. And then they pick one person to go on. How but, did
0: you find out about a Spanish talent show?
2: Well, just the just the videos. People watch videos and they asked me on there.
0: Oh, okay. So they recruited you.
2: Yeah, that's what they
0: do. So it's is it's kind of
2: weird. Yeah. Talent shows, it's it's kind of weird. You know, I was kind of like a they just come like without having to you know, try out for anything. They just want me on, kind of like an actor type deal. Gotcha. gotcha. Kind of swap out. And um, so I just done, I done my two rounds, and and then uh, you know, came back home. <laughs> but it's just, I figured if I could do that, I could do anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude. So uh, you know, I had fun on there. Um, I think that was like a year or two ago, and then, um, you know, do TV shows and stuff here and there, and then I done a couple live shows. I don't know if I want to get into that or not um just like little events here and there and then um you know got into the big show the go big show this year with burt krasher and snoop dogg and jennifer nettles and cody rhodes and that was based in macon georgia
0: what was that experience like
2: so that was filmed back in september and it was during covid so what they did they they had the if you're ever down in the making, they had a big Coliseum right there on 16. They had that rented out. And then they had like three hotel, three or four hotels rented out for the talent and you know, the producers and all that stuff. we were on a bubble. We can't leave or nothing. They had people shuttles everywhere and they brought in food and had us on lockdown for yeah, a month basically. Well, oh, if wow. you if you go that long.
0: So the entire time at
2: least two weeks for the first round. You stay there quarantine.
0: Yeah, it froze up for a second. So the the entire time you're there or the entire time you're eligible on the show, you're essentially there in Macon, Georgia. Yep. That kind of sucks.
2: Oh, yeah. Knowing that I'm like an hour and a half away from home. Like I could drive home every night, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. No, that would be – that would be – yeah, that would be brutal.
2: Yeah, I had no idea. I thought I was going to be there for a week. (laughs) Like I should have read the contract. And like I packed a, work, a week worth uh, a week's worth of clothes and everything, and I drove down there. I was like, "Oh no, that's just for the quarantine. You're not doing you anything. you had a week's just staying." worth
0: of clothes to last the entire time too.
2: <laughs> yeah, but luckily they had laundry service coming in
0: that's and uh, do awesome. our laundry.
2: So it's a uh, so yeah, you had to quarantine for a week, and then from there you can kind of you could you know, walk around. You can't leave the hotel, but you can like mingle with all the people there and talk to everybody and start, you know, but you still have to wear masks and face shields and then take a corona test every other day. So that was kind of horrible. Yeah, it was pretty it yeah, it's kind of a love hate thing because the last time show that Spanish one, I went there for two rounds, I was there for two days. Like I fly in, do the round, leave. Uh, this time we had a lot of downtime And we got, I got to, you know, hang out with the other guests and I got to meet some cool people and, you know, I got to, you know, hang out. It was weird. Everything was a bar joke. Like I'm sitting there at the pool with the, with the BMX athlete, uh, a monster truck driver, (laughs) uh, a survivalist, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff.
0: (laughs) It was, uh the concept of the show it was very interesting especially when you have so many that revolve around music and singing and dancing and everything else but there it you don't really think about it but there are a lot of people that geek out on a lot of random things you know yeah and uh that that show was a very good platform for that just you just don't know what's out there
2: yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool that they brought some of these people in that usually don't you don't see in talent shows and they try to keep it. I mean, they kept it without the singing. Mostly they did bring a yodeler in, which is pretty cool. Cassidy. (laughs) Um, And uh, she, I mean, it worked out good. She yodeled. uh, I forgot gin and juice by Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg was of course there and he bought her song. (laughs)
0: That's a, and that, you know, just seeing Snoop Dogg on there too. uh, It's weird. Because when I grew up, Snoop Dogg was just straight gangster rap, And mm-hmm. now he's primetime TV on TBS. Like, yeah, totally different Snoop Dogg than yeah. I grew up with.
2: It's unbelievable. That is – I think it's pretty sure – like, I'm pretty sure that's the busiest man I know. Because almost everywhere I look, I see him. He's into something. Like, he's, he's doing either anything. doing the TV show wrestling somewhere. He's doing – like, uh, he's uh, commenting on that fight that just happened last week. He's yeah. –
0: got rumor gin is it, and all maybe that stuff you can confirm it having spent a lot of time on lockdown rumor has it that he smokes marijuana can you confirm or deny that I can, yeah 100 percent. i confirm that. <laughs> Jeez. like
2: his eyes is like that the whole time you can barely see him but it's funny but it, it adds to him he does good because he gives the best reactions to everything like he's always flipping out what
1: with he whatever's going
0: on he's an entertaining guy i mean he yeah he really is my and uh bert's reaction so for those who haven't seen the episode and those not familiar with james gene the trick that he started with he's actually doing a, a trick shot where he curves the arrow around uh this partition and uh pops balloon he does the first time from the right side. And when he does, Bert Kreischer just freaks out and makes everybody get up and come over there and watch it actually go around. But, you know, I, and I'm watching James, James in that moment, he behaves very similarly to how he is right now. Just, you know, not no real big up, no real big down. I'm James Gene doing the trick <laughs> shots, but everybody's freaking out. And it's, it was just really, really cool to see especially people like that that really aren't privy to anything in this side of the world as far as like with bows or anything revolved around anything primal weaponry for sure
2: yeah yeah there's a yeah i might act cool there but i was super nervous
0: like i'm not
2: a public speaker and i'm pretty socially awkward and uh it was it was so nerve-wracking being on there especially with the covid and like wearing masks and all that stuff it's like it's georgia you know we hardly you know, we wear masks every now and then, but not as much as we did there.
0: <laughs> oh, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's, a, uh, it's tough for me because I really, I can't take anything, any of it seriously. I really yeah. can't. And, uh, I, I struggle mightily when I go out in public, it's getting better, but to be submersed in the environment that you were in for that amount of time, there's no way it wasn't incredibly painful.
2: Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was weird. And everybody like, yeah, Georgia's kind of one thing when it comes to COVID, but everybody there flew in from California, so exactly. they're like super. Every like they think it's the deadliest thing in the world. Oh, but we're yeah. kind of like, okay, you know, it could kill people, but it's not killing as many people as you think, kind of deal.
0: If the <laughs> survival rate wasn't ninety nine percent or ninety nine point something percent, it'd be the deadliest virus in the world. But it mm-hmm. is ninety nine point whatever percent. It just, it, I don't know. And I think too, growing up, you know, you go through years of different strands of flu and everything else and i don't know it it, it, if you didn't watch television or didn't hear any outside sources and you just went about your day living life you'd have never known anything was going on no that's uh crazy probably another conversation but <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, well I guess what I'm trying to get to is if you don't buy into that just how painful a, a month on lockdown surrounded yeah. in that environment would be it'd be it'd be rough
2: yeah it's it kind of sucked because we couldn't really uh we had we was kind of in our own bubble and then those in the own bubble but like on a regular regular basis I mean we could probably hang out more but snoop Dogg, like for as big as he is, is one of the most down to earth guys I met. Like he said, like he'd always talk to us. Like he came and played cornhole with me and another guy, and that's awesome. Like, it's a, it's pretty good. And you know, all the judges are really nice. And you know, the benefit to that is like you got the time to spend time with everybody and got to know everybody, and we all became friends. Basically, going into the show, where you know normally we just go there for one day, do our thing, get
1: out
0: right it's got to help uh, too with the rapport like even going through the show like when they're interacting with people so mm-hmm. that trick that you did you're curving an arrow i don't know how wide of a curve that you know you're shooting but what are you doing to get that effect on the arrow to make it bend around an object
2: i'm trying to figure out what i did with that i know the the funny thing is i practiced i think i, I didn't know i was going until about three weeks before so I try to practice the curve shot, and the way I did it is I had, I think it's it's three and a half four foot wall, but I had it where it's closer to me where the arrow actually curves more. And then the day that I was supposed to do it, they couldn't put the wall where it's at because the cameras couldn't see the judges where the wall was, so they had to move it back. So I had to kind of just relearn everything right then. Oh wow! To do the show. So how did and, uh,
0: how did you <laughs> with that little prep time for something like that for a national audience? Uh, h- did you feel good about it? <laughs> I mean, I was, I was happy with
2: w- with the how I did. You know, as as uh, with the time I had to prep and all that stuff, I was I was pretty I was pretty tickled. Um, they did cut out all the aerial shots for some reason. That you know, I had uh, that seems like one it'd of be the a really good angle. Yeah. I don't know it's like they they didn't use any of the aerial shots I've done it for both rounds but they, they I mean the first thing I started out with this I got uh Cody Rhodes he's one of the judges Dusty Rhodes the son yeah uh he threw up a disc and I shot that and then I threw up a disc and done a 360 shot that then I went into the curving shots for the first round but it's really weird how TV works is like I I I wanted to do other stuff but those like okay they told me to do mirror shots it's like all right that's what I I started practicing mirror shots. I haven't done a mirror shot in three years. And that's when I started getting good at the mirror shots again. That's why you're seeing videos of me now doing mirror stuff. Because gotcha. I kind of like, I figured out the the key to it, to get it really consistent. So I figured out the mirror shots and then we got there and there's like, oh, there's a crossbow guy using a phone. He's like, you can't do any of the mirror shots. Got to throw that out. And then like this little stuff is like, I, I was really, at the time I was really proficient at shooting aspirins because every day before I go, when I get warmed up, I throw up aspirin, shoot them. I was
0: wondering what that was in your video. I'm glad you. Said yeah, that.
2: so I thought so like I got to the point where I could hit. You know, if I'm cold shooting, it would take me. You know. At the at the long, I mean, I could get first try, but at the at the longest, it might take three tries to hit an aspirin out of there. And I was pretty comfortable doing that on the show. They said it was too small to use, on the show because you couldn't film it and the judges couldn't really see it. Oh, that's so like, okay. I get that. Yeah, it's like that's there's a lot impressive. of there's a lot of stuff they can't do on there it's really weird like my clay where they went like when we got there we we couldn't we we can't use the clay there and all that stuff is uh i was very limited on shots it's really weird because like if it's up to me i would do all aerial stuff because i feel like that's what i do can you hear me yeah yeah okay it pops up it something popped out my connection is unstable or something i live
0: in the middle of nowhere
2: yeah well my my parents internet ain't the ain't the best (laughs) either but uh, I, aspirin. I, yeah. So, like, if it was up to me, I'd do all moving shots because I feel like I'm. That's what I practice mostly, and that's what I'm. I feel like the best. Like, that's what I'm the best at, in my opinion. Like, I feel more confident with moving targets than I do with still targets. And I would, I would do all moving targets if it's up to them. But it's like, it, the show ended up being mostly still targets. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it is weird. I could see, especially from an instinctual standpoint, like it's one thing to be focused on a pin and holding a pin and, you know, moving a pin with something. But from just so many shots of tracking, you know, I I could see where it'd be easier. It's almost like hitting uh, a pool ball at an angle as opposed to a straight on pool shot. Sometimes it's easier if there's, you know, an angle as opposed to, you know, just going head on at it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's just uh, – I guess it's just practicing. Like, I just – I practice more moving shots than anything. I, if Like, if I could do still targets more often, then I'll feel more comfortable with it. But it's like – I know. I just like uh, – I have more fun with moving targets for me. I just I, – I know my bow, and I, you know, know that timing where I can – I feel comfortable with it compared to, like, still targets.
0: Over the last – well, really the last 10 years, I guess, or so – how many days do you feel like there's been that you haven't at least shot an arrow?
2: Uh, I I mean, now I'm practicing more than ever just because my situation. Um, I used I was doing the freelance editing and video full time since well, since 2013. And then COVID hit and then people stopped traveling. So I started working, helping my dad out in the farm. He's getting old now, and so I've been helping him out where now I got the opportunity to go and shoot in the morning then go on to do whatever farm chores me to do so now i'm practicing more than ever and it's just weather dependent you know if it's too windy or it's raining then i won't go shoot
0: right
2: so most of the time i shoot you know one to, i mean at the most one to five hours a week i guess if you do it like if i shoot every morning
0: if the weather's good um but what about during uh, turkey season? do you slack off during turkey season um. Sometimes, <laughs> what you, have uh, you got? I know you've been crazy busy. Have you got to go much this year?
2: Uh, I went a few times this year. I haven't. I just I, I know how these being on this farm. I just know how these turkeys act. Like right. they're pretty pretty patternable every year on what they do, and it's just not like right now they're still with a bunch of hens and all that stuff. I was like that. The time is not right for me to go like i can go but that it's like a it's hit or miss whether they come or not whether they want to get away from them hens gotcha so i'm just kind of waiting for that time and uh so this year i haven't really hunted that much i'm just waiting for you know if i'm sitting there in the farm and i hear something if i hear one you know at noon gobbling his head off i was like all right that's time to go
1: kill him
0: <laughs> yeah well give me going the woods as far as turkey hunting goes uh what's and we try to get at least one story out of, out of everybody we talk to, whether it's deer hunting, whether it's turkey hunting. What's and I'm I'm giving you some time to think by just rambling incessantly okay. like I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a particular memory? Maybe it's with somebody, uh, buddy, dad, whoever. When it comes to turkey hunting, just something that sticks out when you draw from the memory bank.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I put you right on the spot. You're welcome.
2: Yeah, it's a, I have, I have a, I have a couple. I mean, I guess my first turkey hunt would be the funniest, I guess. Well, the best, I don't know. It's just, it's always in my mind. So I think I started turkey hunting in 2010 and, uh, you know, no, my dad, my dad's a big hunter, but he never really turkey hunted. And, uh, so I I just, I got really big in the archery. I was like, I want to shoot a turkey with a bow. And, and, uh, you know, I kind of got with my neighbor. Luckily my neighbor, his name's Bob. He worked for the NWTF. Um, he does like the, he does like the little uh, meetings here and all that stuff. And he kind of gave me, um, he gave me some calls and kind of taught me how to use a pot call and all that stuff. So I got set up, uh, first I, I got my blind set up kind of where I, I knew the turkey's going to be walking by and i remember the first morning now i'm a teenager so i woke up late of course and i was like is was, was probably 30 45 minutes after daylight and i'm probably 200 yard, uh and the blind's like 200 uh, 200 probably around 200 yards from the roost and luckily i i got down there and snuck in the blind and i hit that call one time and then the six gobblers like it felt like 20 yards behind me go <laughs> like that. And uh, they walked out. They came around and walked out in front of me and I was just shaking so much. I couldn't even pull my bow back. That's awesome. And uh, so I let them, they finally walked off and then the next you literally you couldn't,
0: you got turkey done. fever.
2: Yeah. I got turkey fever. <laughs> I was so shook. I was shaking <laughs> as soon as they gobbled the first time that close. I was just like, I couldn't do nothing. Like, oh, I, I, get I remember it. that. T- that turkey is walking walking up and I got my bow and I just felt it like that. And I was like, I heard the bow jingling and all that stuff. <laughs> so I was like, so they walked by and I was like, ah, all right, tomorrow I'm going to get them. Came back, came back the next day It was pouring rain, thunderstorming. And, uh, you know, I hit the call. They didn't gobble or nothing. And, you know, I'm just getting into this. I'm calling probably way too much, way too loud for sure. And, uh, All of a sudden, I see this one gobbler walking by from a distance. So I was like, all right, I'm getting my bow ready. And before I could see him, I had the little shoot, I guess the shoot-through mesh you could see through, and then I had a little open area where I could shoot through, and I could see him come through the mess. I was like, all right, I'm going to draw back. And I'm going to, whenever he walked by, I shot him. And I was using a fixed head instead of an expandable, and usually, like, if you shoot him with a bow, and they go past through, they can go good ways before they die. For sure. And it was raining, pouring down hard. And he went in the woods. I was on the edge of the field and, uh, I couldn't really figure out where he went. I was too jacked up. And the way he went, he went like, uh, he went to my blind spot in my blind where I couldn't see where he kind of went in. So I got, I had a big, fat black lab and I let him smell the arrow and he just took off walking. And, uh, I could slowly follow behind him and then he came up. He had it in his mouth, brought the that's turkey in his
0: awesome. mouth. <laughs> Dude, and that's killer. And you, you'd
2: never used him to track anything before? He'll track deer. It's funny. Like, he's a fat lab. He'll track <laughs> deer. Like, I mean, he's the best deer dog we ever had. Like, he won't bark or nothing. So you just got to follow him. Yeah. And like, he he recovered. Like, I sh- shot deer and it went, you know, I i accidentally got shot a deer before and went like 500 yards and he went right up to it. I love this dog. And, and he came up with a turkey in his mouth and I didn't know anything about the turkey. I mean, I took pictures with it sopping wet and all that stuff. And then my neighbor come and he's like, that's a big turkey. And uh he scored it and it's like the second in the state in Spurs. And You're I had kidding no clue. Yeah. Same with a bow, you know. Yeah, still.
0: You didn't yeah. know it. And-
2: <laughs> no i had no clue i was like you know getting into it not knowing anything about turkeys i thought it was all about the beard length I was so, like, oh, he's got 10 he's got 10 and 11 inch beard
0: the fact that you had to think about a story to share and this is the story like how can you have a better story than this one well turkey turkey <laughs> i don't know
2: i i love turkey hunting and how big
0: were the spurs
2: engine
0: seven eights damn What's up no that's a that's a way to start a turkey career out there yeah damn yeah
2: it's uh we had some big ones and we like we seen bigger ones than that around the farm before i even started hunting but it's a uh, yeah that that i don't know i just had awesome awesome turkey hunting. sometimes it's not me just filming it's like there's been sometimes and we went down to mexico after the gould's turkey and like I filmed several people and then we end up shooting eight birds that morning, you
1: know, like just
2: setting, setting up, setting up, setting up and then boom, 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 you know, onto the next bird, like stuff like that. And the places I got to see, like, in like hunting South Dakota, Turkey hunting where you're in the badlands and you could hear in Georgia, if you heard a Turkey gobble like that, it's time to set up. When you hear a Turkey in South Dakota in that open plains, you need to walk another mile before you set up you could hear the turkey so far and it's a it'll screw you up the rest of the season luckily we go at the end of may where you kind of build up to that where if you go if somehow you can go to south dakota at first you'll spook every turkey you hunt
0: that's crazy and back here you know dealing with these ridges and stuff it's really and there's no way to uh, discern where it's coming from uh you know for the most part, unless you're, you got boots on the ground, unless you're just out there, you know, there's mm-hmm. no way to really put it into words, but that's been my biggest struggle this year is just being able to, especially with those deep hollers and draws and, you know, oh, yeah. the different fingers. It is so difficult to, you know, pinpoint where one's at, but I never thought about being in, you know, the plains areas where sound travels like crazy.
2: Yeah, it's a yeah. That's one of the hardest places when you when you have like ridges and mountains like that. They could be they could sound like they're three or four hundred yards away, and they're just you know seventy five yards just over this hill, away from you. I've bumped a
0: number of them. (laughs)
2: It's like you know, pretty much, pretty much, in that stuff is like pretty much. If you hear them, you, it's it's safe just to sit down right there and just start calling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, as far as what you got coming down the pipeline and it sounds like you you stay real busy on the filming side as well and you know feel free to drop you know any info about that side of your life or whatever but uh if you want to just you know take a second and let everybody know what you got going on how they can learn more about you and you know even the video side of things
2: um so right now you know
0: gonna go film the impossible shot segment with shooting
2: usa um, the show i used to film for trophy quest are coming back out on pursuit in july and i'll have a weekly sh- segment on that also um uh, and then i also film and edit that show as well and it, it's going to be kind of a it's going to be kind of like this like a mixture podcast mixture hunt type nice w- type deal and we will uh, that's really i got invited to go to do uh Czechoslovakia and got talent. I'm still on the fence. I don't think I'm gonna do it. Um I have been getting invited by talent shows, but I'm pretty burnt out by talent shows at the moment. Dude,
0: <laughs> um, I, I can't imagine I really, you know, in seeing and I really didn't know what time of time of year you were down there or whatever, but to know that you were pretty much isolated from society during all that time, yeah, dude, that that just adds a whole nother element. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot there's a lot of yeah
2: it's really neat really nerve-wracking you're like you know there that month is like especially what i'm doing instinctively uh, i like shooting instinctively like that if you take a week off you know you're kind of off you know shooting that bow sure you kind of got to stay on it and you're limited on practice time or whatever you got to do it's like all right you got this block you know you got an hour and a half block well that's an hour and a half to set up my backdrop curtain and get my targets and and do all that and I don't know it's really weird and shooting cold like that I'm not really used to and the pressure the lights and all that stuff you know I'm used to shooting on the farm by myself yeah
0: no you did it uh yeah yeah you made you made it look easy
2: <laughs> yep yep uh, I was I was really happy how everything turned out and I was happy with my last performance I like to go out with the, you know I felt like I won you know anyways like uh the way my performance went like I i felt like a winner even though i lost
0: <laughs> oh, oh well and that's the thing it's one thing to be able to do it but to, to do it in that type of setting that's that's just a totally different ball game like there's no practicing for that you know
2: yeah it's a uh, it's it's equivalent to having buck fever i think <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's tough it's weird it's like one thing to do it in your backyard but it's another thing to do it in front of the you know in front of snoop dog and burt Kreischer and all that yeah
0: absolutely but it's
2: pretty neat you know got the got to talk to Bert he's he's been around here his wife's from Buchanan Georgia so it's not too far from me and he knows Carrollton and he has I think they got a lake house in modality and he actually he shoots archery also like he picked up my bow and shot a bullseye
0: no kidding yeah I don't know how he did it but he did it I I bet you he couldn't do it again what if he what if he's what if he's an archer ringer and nobody knows about it
2: Yeah, he's, he's, he's all about it. He kept on talking to me about archery and all that stuff, and that, like, you know, about Carrollton and all that stuff. They got married in Carrollton, and uh, it was pretty neat. My um, uh, one of my friends that I grew up with actually house sat for him, you know, whenever they lived in California and all that stuff. And it's kind of a small world how that works.
0: It is weird, you know, at different times you, you come across certain people, and then there's just like random connections that you never would have known yeah. about, James. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. I'm, uh, I was immediately a big fan. I've turned my dad into a big fan. Uh, it's been a long time since he's shot, but he grew up on recurve bows and, yeah. uh, to see some of the things that you're doing, uh, especially knowing that their biggest kryptonite was snap shooting. I, they've got some really hilarious snap shooting stories. Like even about, shooting trees and stuff just because they couldn't hold like <laughs> yeah but, it's weird so it before we break away is there some type of psychology behind that that you're aware of like is that a is snap shooting it's a very it's a real thing right
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's a i tend to do better when i snapshoot. i think i overthink things way too much well, and, and I think there's a target panic kind of aspect that comes to that where instinctive shooting kind of cancels that target panic out of there where you shoot so fast. And, uh, yeah. To <laughs> your point,
0: they would talk about a gentleman, uh, a guy in their group that they would classify a snap shooter, but said he was really good at it. Like, that's how he was accurate. So I could understand that, too. That, yeah. And it seems like – two that would be just that next level instinctual like like you're saying not thinking about it just bam you know mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah. maybe they just sucked
2: it's weird it's <laughs> yeah it's a lot of it it takes <clears throat> sorry it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of muscle memory and shooting the same bow is the best thing you can do when it comes in stage like switching back and forth between bows is like the worst thing you do because you're just so used to that bow even if it's not tuned right you know where that arrow is going to go right and uh it's not the it's not the best form of aiming for, like I say, target shooting, like indoor archery or something like that. Shooting dots is not really a thing. But if you want to hit something with it, like, I don't know. It's like I feel like it's the best thing for me. Like I've been playing around with different aiming methods, and it seems my inst- instinctive archery doesn't work as well for still targets as it does for moving targets or just hitting like an object. Like I feel like instinctives, like, I don't know. I don't think about it but I I think less on moving targets than I do on still targets. I can get that for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to go. It's actually watching your videos. Maybe want to get mine back out. So I'm going to be playing some this weekend. I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah. It was an absolute pleasure, man. If there's everything that we can do as far as anything to plug, or if you just want to come back and shoot the shit, just let us know.
2: Yeah. I'll come back anytime.
0: All right. You have a good one, brother. Thank you. You too.